Okay, I'm not going to have anybody's attention until these children leave the stage, so I might as well just stand here and watch with the rest of you. Aren't they cute? Which one is yours? How many grandparents are here simply because their kids are up here? Yes, I see that over there. Yes, they're amazing. Though they'll grow up to be teenagers. And we all know what that means. There goes one right now. Yeah, it's okay. I'll adjust the 15 minutes out of my sermon that they take. Deep in thought, right there. Pondering the true meaning of Christmas, I'm sure, as he sung recently. Okay, all right. Hey, um, what's a favorite Christmas present you've ever received? You know, we're looking at the traditions of Christmas leading up to Christmas Day, and before we get into the favorite present, I mean, how do you even do uh, presents at Christmas time? Well, first, do you do them? Do you, do you um, open them on Christmas Eve? Do you open them on Christmas Day? Is it a combination? Is Santa Claus somehow involved? Are they all left? Can we talk about that now? Growing up, we did the, the, the family gathering, Christmas presents on Christmas Eve. Get up in the morning, there's a stocking and one gift. Stocking being filled, naturally, oranges, apples, socks, toothbrush, all the stuff the kids are dying for. And then a present from Santa. That's how we did it. When I was a kid, uh, Amy and I, with our, our uh, girls, did something similar. Uh, presents on Christmas Eve and then... And then um, some kind of stocking in the morning. Back to favorite presents. Recently, my most favorite present was just a few years ago, and it was a suede leather coat from my wife, Amy. Naturally, I saw it in a Hallmark movie. A person was wearing it, and I turned to her and said, wow, honey, I've always wanted one of those coats. Now, my wife is very clever, and she knows I monitor our credit, our credit card just in case of any fraudulent activity, and she decided to get this coat from Orvis, not a place we buy a lot of things from, so she knew I would notice a, a, a purchase, sizable purchase from Orvis. So she's thinking, I'll trick him. She says, hey, honey, I bought our dog for Christmas a really fancy dog bed. Okay, I'm gullible. And I go, oh, cool. You know, our dog is, is at that time probably 13 years old. Sure, let's buy a really expensive dog bed. <laughs> and so I see the credit card thing, and I monitor it, you know, a couple times a week. I see it, and I go, whoa, that is a really expensive dog bed. <laughs> but I don't think anything of it. Dog deserves it. So, uh, you know, uh, a few days later, and, and she'd ordered this because it's a jacket, she ordered it early so I could have it, you know, for the season. So it, it, this box comes, it's sitting on her island. She says, hey, why don't you go ahead and open it? I open it, and it's this suede leather. It's, it's fantastic. I love it. Put it on. Wow, this is great. Thank you. Okay. Three days later, I ask her, when's that dog bed coming? <laughs> she, thinking I'm kidding, says, oh, it'll be here in a few days. 
okay? Because I want to see what dog bed costs that much money. So a few days later, I go to her and say, okay, what, is, is it back ordered or what's the deal? Where's the dog bed? She says, you've been wearing it. <laughs> okay, I've never said I'm the quickest person in the world. I go, what? It's your coat. Oh, so there is no dog bed. I went and apologized to the dog because I'd been telling the dog, wow, there's this dog bed that's coming. It's going to be unbelievable. <laughs> but really the most memorable uh, gift of all time when I was five, and, and we used to, uh, we'd have Christmas at our house and we'd have Christmas at my grandparents' house uh, in Fairmont. We'd alternate every other year. And with my grandparents, it's always my Aunt Joyce. She never married. She lived with her, her parents the whole time. So it was Grandpa and Grandma and Joyce. So we were over there. And Joyce was always like a, like a almost second mother. She kind of was significant in our lives and spent a lot of time with us. And so she'd always buy, often, the gift. So I'm five. I walk in, small house, over by the Christmas tree where the presents are. There's this, can I say, huge present leaned up against the wall. It's so big, it won't even fit under the, present, under the uh, tree. Well, what does little Tommy do? Runs to that present right away and looks for the name. No name. Aha. Uh-huh. That's a clue right there. Because when there's no name, it was either my sister, Becky, or mine. Everybody else, they'd get their names, but they knew if they put on a major gift our name, we would just basically obsess on it. So if no name meant one of us. So I look at my sister and I said, you or me this year? Well, if you knew we had to eat meal, we had to eat the meal, then they had to do dishes. There was no dishwasher, so they had to do the dishes. It was killing me. Hurry up. Just get those things done. They said, you want to do them? I said, sure, get out of my way. I'll do them. And then they said, no. No glass in a five-year-old's hands. So then it's Christmas time or present time. And sure enough, it's my present. The thing's three times bigger than I am. It's unbelievable. And in there is an entire set of metal Tonka construction trucks. By the way, those are worth a small fortune right now, and I still have them. But, I mean, trucks, uh, big trucks, trucks with hydraulic lifts, graders. I mean, we're talking construction bear. We're talking the whole nine yards. It was unbelievable. I couldn't believe my good fortune. That has nothing to do with today's sermon. But I enjoyed telling that story and reliving it. If you would turn to Matthew again, we're in the Gospel of Matthew, Matthew 1. And we're going to go back from where we started last week and go from 18 through 25. Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband, Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins." All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son. They should call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph awoke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, 
but knew her not until she had given birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. Last week we looked at the first part of this, and we saw that that Matthew's making a very strong statement. Let's be clear on how the birth of Jesus Christ took place. And he talked about how Mary and Joseph were betrothed or engaged, a more legal binding uh, agreement than than our engagement today, but how they wouldn't have come together as husband and wife, and that she's found with child, which would have been a big shock. And and Joseph, being righteous, could not marry her, so he was going to divorce her, but being gracious, he was going to do it quietly and not make a public trial, which would normally have been the case. And as he's considering all these things, an angel of the Lord comes to him, And it says, Joseph, son of David. He's the son of David because he's in the line of David. It says, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived is from the Holy Spirit. This is a work of God, in other words. And then he says, she shall bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. We talked about how last week, how naming the child essentially was adopting the child by Joseph. And we know the prophecy about the Mosiah, the Christ, was that it was going to be a son of David in that line. And that Mary was not in the the line of David, but Joseph is. And for the, the new baby to be a son of David, Joseph had to adopt him. And that was threatened by the chance of divorce. So so the Lord steps in through an angel and says, No, adopt him and give him the name Jesus, which means for he will save his people from their sins. The name Jesus is is interesting. It's it's a Greek literation is where we get Jesus from, from the Hebrew, Yahshua. And and Yahshua is is really one of the ways you you would interpret Yahshua in in English is Joshua. There's a couple ways to, that a couple Hebrew names that are uh, translated Joshua, and that's a real common Hebrew name. We see it several times in the Bible, obviously. But Yahshua is also a shortened version Yahosha, which means God saves or God saves His people. So Jesus is both the the man Joshua and and the man that. God saves. He's given this name because he'll save his people from their sins, it says. Which we have to ask, it says, he, we're assuming that's Jesus. Now, in the Bible, you always got to be careful with pronouns. We don't spend enough time figuring out what the pronoun refers to, but in this case, clearly refers to Jesus, but how can a human save anyone from their sins? That's something only God can do, but we're going to get back to that in the next couple of verses. But who are his people? He's going to, to save his people from their sins. On the surface, you'd, you'd think, well, it's got to be the Jews, right? He's a Jew. He's born into a Jewish context. This is the first book of the New Testament. So we've just come out of the Old Testament. We've seen that the people of God are Jews. So he must be going to save the Jews. But we've read ahead. We've read Matthew. We've read the New Testament. And we see that That it isn't just the Jews, it's that his people are those that believe in him, repent and follow him, whether they be Jew or Gentile, Gentile being a non-Jew. That his people are those that fully believe that he is the Son of God who has become Jesus, the promised Messiah, and they base their lives on that belief 
on that relationship, on his teachings. Now, let's go back to that first question of, about the who. It, it says in 22 through 23, And all this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet, Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. Matthew's quoting Isaiah 7.14. Just a reminder again, next month we're going to be starting Isaiah. And Isaiah is talking to King Haaz, the, the, the king of Judah. And we see in this verse, and if we look at verse 13, the verse right before this, we're seeing he, he's predicting that from the house of David will come a son born of a virgin, who will be called God with us. What does that mean? It means Jesus is God, yes, but it means so much more. It means that the transcendent God, the far away, up there, all-powerful, invisible God, has come to earth, become human, and lived among us. That's no small thing. I mean, today we kind of take that for granted, right? But think about it. I've said many times, as Jesus Christ appeared right here, right now, we'd all be freaking out. But that's what happened. Now, sometimes we get in our head, oh, oh, he's just like, a, like maybe a human that God has, has raised up to be a superhuman, or, or he was a God and he never really became human, or he's God-like. All those things go through and have gone through the thoughts of humans over the last 2,000 years. But this is the second person of the Trinity, the eternal Son of God, being made human so that he can save his people, and that's a critical fact, from the results of their sin. See, only God can deal with sin, right? Because a sin is, is only a sin because it's against God's standard. That's what a sin is. As David says in Psalm 51, against you, you only have I sinned. I can wrong you, but to truly sin, it means I've, I've done something against God's standard. People can say, I, I, I've sinned against somebody because I've wronged them. Yes, but technically, it's only God we sin against. And we've often thought, can't God just forgive sin? I mean, okay, can't. Did he need to send Jesus? Couldn't he just said, okay, I'll forgive your sins? But if he did that, then there'd be no meaning to the concept of sin. He'd have no standard of right and wrong. There'd be no consequences. There'd be nothing results of sin. It'd be chaos. And if he did just forget it, well, he'd, he'd be arbitrary. There'd, there'd be no justice. There'd no be accountability. There'd be justice demands a penalty, a result of doing something wrong. So that's what it means. When, when Matthew says he'll save his people from their sins, he will save them from the result of their sins. In this case, Jesus will save his people from having to pay the penalty for their sins. That penalty is eternal separation from God. If God is all goodness, can you imagine an existence separated from anything and everything that is good? So think of your worst day, multiple by 10, and that's your existence. That's what we're talking about, the penalty that Jesus has come to save his people from. 
And he does it by taking the penalty himself. Verse 24. When Joseph awoke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but knew her not until she had given birth to a son. He called his name Jesus. When Joseph awoke, he, he did exactly what the angel told him to do. He married Mary. But they did not consummate their marriage until after Jesus was born. Joseph is clearly wanting to make sure there is absolutely no doubt how the conception of Jesus came about. You, you see, say Jesus was just a human. And God decides to make him a universal sacrifice for all of us. Well, first off, if he was just human, he would have sinned. And if he would have sinned, he would have been deserving of that penalty. And so it would have been, it would have been ineffective for taking care of our sins. Why doesn't God just die? Well, God, God can't die. So when, when the second person of the Trinity came and become, became Jesus Christ, he came to, to be with us, to give us that intimate presence and to show that he can relate to us. But ultimately, he came to pay the price, the price that we owed, the price for our sins. And he did it for his people. The people that acknowledge him, believe in him, relate to him, and follow him. Those that have acknowledged that they need a savior. They've acknowledged that they sin, that they've fallen short of the standard of God, that they've acknowledged that, repented, and seek to turn from that and follow the teachings of Jesus Christ. That's who his people are. So Jesus is born. Joseph names him, thus adopts him. And in the process, Jesus, the Messiah, the Christ, is truly the Son of God through the Holy Spirit. Truly the son of man through Mary. And truly the son of David through Joseph. One last point on this verse. We're Protestants, obviously. The Catholic Church for hundreds of years now has been elevating Mary through a series of things, even to the point where now there's a, a move afoot to try to declare her co-redemptress or co-redeemer with Jesus. And that movement all started hundreds and hundreds of years ago with the concept of the perpetual virginity of Mary, that she was always a virgin. And we see in this passage right here that what it says is, but knew her not until she had given birth. And we believe that that. Joseph and Mary did consummate their marriage, that they did have children. And we see when the brothers of Jesus, of which we believe James, who wrote the book of James, 
was one of those. And it's, it's a theological point, but we believe the Bible clearly speaks to it. And it only becomes a point as Mary is raised up to a level that we feel, well, quite frankly, a little uncomfortable with. It's interesting. You know, that same year, I got the big gift. You know, big. I'm telling you, big. Okay, I was five, but it was huge. I think it was about 10 feet high. Okay, maybe not. There was this, this other gift. It was a Tonka truck, a pickup truck. It was red, had a little red topper. It was about the size of a shoebox. Quite frankly, I didn't even really notice it. That night, it was all about the big box. And even the next day, Christmas Day, I, I just played with those trucks. I mean, I'm in my living room of my grandparents, you know, plowing up carpet and moving things and, you know, what five-year-olds do when they have a new toy. But as time went on, I found myself more and more playing with that red pickup truck. Almost to the point in a few years, I played with it way more than those construction trucks that almost became forgotten. Many things will catch our attention this Christmas season. Many of them will be flashy and sparkle in the moment. They'll seem so cool and fun, but their value will fade in time. Let's remember what's a real value. Jesus isn't particularly flashy and doesn't often grab our attention. But he's the only gift this season that has any true lasting value. And the only gift we'll care about an eternity from now. I don't know if you've accepted that gift or not. Only you do. You and God. I don't know if you consider yourself one of Jesus' people or not. But this is a great time of the year. If you've never really repented and turned to Jesus, it's a great time of the year to do that. It's a great time of the year to become one of his people, knowing that he's paid the price of our sins and we can look forward to eternity with him the source of all goodness. Let's pray. Gracious Father, we acknowledge that we need a Savior, that you didn't send your Son, Jesus Christ, for no reason, but you sent your Son so that we might have life. Help us understand this season that, that being in relationship with Jesus Christ is what's the requirement of salvation. And that relationship starts with acknowledging we need a Savior, repenting of our sins and turning. And as we do that, may you show us the truth of who he is and the life we have as an offer from him. It's in his name, the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. We'll ask the ushers to come forward to receive the